Hi, this is Alex Shara from the new protocol is a sharded proof of stake carbon neutral layer one blockchain that is extremely simple to use and developer friendly. And this is Chris Gale of Few and Far, the one-stop shop for everything digital collectibles. And we are here on the edge of NFT. The podcast that brings the most innovative NFT projects near, far, and at the outer edge. Keep listening. Hi, NFT Curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how today's guests are collaborating to help fix some of the most fundamental challenges of facilitating Web3 mass adoption and what each guest values most in their personal lives. And how digital jewelry is helping to reinforce the idea that diamonds are forever. Finally, NFTLA 2022 was a blast. It was also a blast off and a giant plume of bright burning rocket fuel, Web3, NFTs, blockchain, decentralization, and a suite of immersive new tech developments have just exploded onto the canvas of life. Outer Edge is the theme of this year's event, dedicated to those of you building with us at the Outer Edges, making the future happen. The community-centric gathering returns to Los Angeles March 20th to the 23rd, 2023, to uplift creators and technologists through interactive experiences, a wide variety of discussions and presentations, and entertaining surprises that transport participants to the outer edge of what's possible when we co-create a new paradigm, embracing the decentralized web, artificial intelligence, extended reality, and more. To register to attend or learn how to co-create an experience on the Outer Edge, head over to OuterEdge.Live. The event is being organized by the Edge of Company and us founders of the Edge of NFT podcast. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Alexander Scherer of the Near Foundation and Chris Gale of View and Far. Alexander is responsible for business development at the Near Foundation, where he helps enterprises and brands transition from Web 2 to Web 3. His focus is on large partnerships in mass market verticals such as sports, media, and entertainment. He has been actively involved in the blockchain industry for more than five years and brings experience from play-to-earn games and NFT projects. Alexander started his career at Goldman Sachs and spent several years in investment, banking, and private equity. The Near Foundation is a nonprofit foundation that raises awareness, supports projects, and works to provide a clear path to decentralization for the Near Protocol. The Near Protocol is a sharded proof-of-stake layer one blockchain with a strong focus on user and developer usability. Chris is the co-founder of Few and Far. He is a serial entrepreneur and active investor with a passion for NFTs, Web3, and the open metaverse. He has been in the blockchain industry since 2016. He is the founder of MetaEdge Ventures, early investor on over 30 Web3 and NFT projects, founded Odyssey, exited to Foon, and listed on NASDAQ, and was a co-founder of a Veracity $300 million market cap. Few and Far is next generation platform for experiences in Web3, including NFTs, DeFi, gaming, and much more. Alex, Chris, welcome to Edge of NFT. Hi, very happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. You guys are pretty bright-eyed, bushy-tailed after a long week in Denver where I ran into a lot of you all and some of the other members of the team. Um, fun times. Is everyone back in the saddle at their home base now? Yes, we are drinking lots of coffee. Keep us on track today and uh, catching up with the teams and assessing all of the news that have been coming out of East Denver, which there's been a lot of. Yeah, I feel like I have an unfair advantage asking the first question because I had a chance to sit down with Ilya, the co-founder of Near, just a couple of days ago with Richard, another member of our team, and had a really fascinating conversation with him. Man, what a background that guy has. But there was some big news that that broke. And um, I think sort of starting the conversation with an overview of Near and how it came to be would be great. Alex, you want to kick things off? 
Sure, happy to. And and thanks for the kind introduction. Um, really great to be here. So yeah, as you mentioned, you had the chance uh, to to sit down with Ilya, but I'm I'm happy to give a, a brief overview of the history of how Nier came about, and then more broadly speaking, uh, what Nier is doing at the moment. Nier's co-founders Ilya and Alex originally they started an AI startup which was called Nier AI with the idea of teaching uh, machines to code, and essentially they tried to pay contributors through Ethereum but quickly found out that it wasn't fit for the job, right? They realized that blockchain in 2017 didn't match their expectation. It was hard to build on, it didn't scale. It was too expensive to be practical. And this is uh, how they started Neo Protocol and how it came into being and mainnet launched it back in 2020. So just to give a brief overview of the ecosystem and what Near is all about. So uh, you mentioned it briefly, Near Protocol is uh, sharded uh, proof of stake uh, layer one blockchain. Uh, from the very start, uh, Near has been built with a focus on usability for both developers, users, in order to remove every barrier to Web3 adoption. And what is always easy to remember are the four S's. Uh, Near is, is really simple because we prioritize user and developer usability to make Web3 ready for, for mass adoption. It's also secure. Protocol is written in Rust and is backed by a fully decentralized validator set. It is scalable. We use dynamic sharding, which allows for unparalleled uh, scalability, but it is also sustainable. Uh, Nier is actually a, a certified carbon neutral blockchain. So I would say Nier was really started with a very different philosophical approach. Uh, we are focused on making the user experience as intuitive as possible. And ideally for you as the end user, you shouldn't need to think about different blockchain aspects, but simply use the blockchain, experience the different applications. So to summarize it, I would say we are the place where Web 2 goes to become Web 3, and we see ourselves as the Web 2.5 bridge. So that's in a nutshell what we're all about. Well said. Yeah. And kind of beyond the four S's that you mentioned there, sustainable and whatnot, anything else worth highlighting about the tech capabilities of Near? Definitely a lot, actually. Uh, so I will try to be brief as, as brief as possible. So I think we we all recognize here right, that crypto comes with its own complexities and, and therefore Near was designed, as I mentioned, with this emphasis on, on usability for both users and developers. And that starts with easy onboarding. Everyone here is I guess, pretty familiar with the very complicated multi-step process to set up a wallet, right? You need to you need to download a browser extension, you set up an account, write down your seed phrase, uh, you go to an exchange or bridge over the assets. Uh, this is really not user-friendly and, and a deterrent to, to many people. And we believe that if you want to onboard the masses, you need to make it as simple as possible so that even my mom will be able to create an account. You forgot the step where you have to call your crypto knowledgeable buddy to walk you through it for a half an hour. That's <laughs> also a step. Exactly. <laughs> Always part of the process. <laughs> but essentially for us, our native wallet is actually a web wallet. There's no browser extension needed. I mean, it's extremely simple, user-friendly, simple to create, and also easy to secure. And it has a lot of the intuitive Web2 UX that, that we all used to. So this is, I think, step one, right? Easy onboarding. But Nier is also all about flexible accounts. So we have a flexible account model. And that's the thing where we think that makes us friendlier towards migrating people from Web 2 to Web 3. Uh, what does that all entail? So essentially what we are enabling, and I think personally this is super cool, is we can have human readable wallet names. So on other chains, you have this always this long hexadecimal string of, of gibberish, right? Uh, what Near enables is you can have a readable, human-readable wallet name. So conceivably, your wallet could be chef.near, josh.near, which makes it it's more similar to how we set up a Twitter handle. And again, like very intuitive. And the second point is our access keys. So Near can have uh, multiple keys, each with their own set of permissions. So this essentially allows you to grant specific authorizations to third parties while then also keeping the option to revoke them at any time. And so you could have one account and unlimited keys with different permissions. And then another thing which is really popular is, uh, for especially our enterprise clients is we enable a hierarchical account structure. So this is useful if you want to manage you know, smart contracts under one parent account. So as an enterprise client, you can have a top level account that is really customized to your brand. And then we allow you to create subdomains. So for, to give you an example, you could have Edge of NFT parent account, but then you could have sub accounts for your employees or users and so on, right? So you could have Jeff dot edge of NFT. So really customized to your brand as well. 
So I think that's this easy onboarding, flexible account model. And then we also really developer friendly. As I mentioned, you can code in a language of your choice. So you can code it Rust Solidity via our EVM layer two, which is called Aurora. And we have also enabled JavaScript. So this essentially gives over 20 million developers the chance to build web three apps using JavaScript, which is, which is pretty amazing. And so as a developer, you can create this super seamless user experiences and you can hide all blockchain aspects if you want to. And then lastly, in terms of our tech, we have scalability that I mentioned previously because we use dynamic sharding. And that is the dynamic sharding we use called Nightshade. And as opposed to many side, uh, other chains, we don't use side chains, but use sharding, which basically allows us to record and verify transactions a lot faster and, and cheaper and more securely than other chains. So essentially, you're no longer held back by the cost, speed, and the stability of the protocol. And the technology is essentially going to scale with you as you grow. So yeah, to summarize, it's the easy onboarding, flexible account model, very developer-friendly and unparalleled scalability. That's it in a nutshell. That's awesome. That's it. <laughs> a lot baked in there, man. We love the world of NFTs and all that it represents to the community and Web3 and the future, really. And curious, you know, for Near Protocol, could you give us like an example of an NFT use case for our listeners? Absolutely. I mean, we really see and I sit, as I mentioned, on the side of the house where I focus mainly on the enterprise strategy. And we see NFTs no longer really as the end product necessarily, but more so as a vessel to essentially bring brands and, and their customers closer together, but also enable, for example, sports teams and entertainment brands to really engage their fans using and utilizing these NFTs. So for us, a successful collectible strategy, if we work with a couple of IP rights holders or enterprise brands, is more than a one-off event. When used properly, you can this can become a year-round tool for you to, to engage your fans. So to be precise, one of the specific use cases that I'm focused on at the moment is uh, loyalty and rewards. We think that it has definitely one of the strongest product market fits in, in crypto right now. And... Also, the existing fans and consumer groups in the verticals that I'm focused on, such as sports, media, and entertainment, really represent some of the richest verticals to, to tap into for net new users. So just to give a bit of background, we are currently working with a couple of different brands and sports teams on loyalty programs. And why we think it really has one of the best product market fits right now is it really appeals to well-understood incentive-driven behaviors of consumers. Then you can also hook it into uh, existing Web2 consumer and fan engagement apps. And then from the brand's perspective, they're always looking for ways to further engage with customers and create new revenue streams. And we think that NFTs can uniquely enable that. And we always get the question when we talk about loyalty and rewards that why there are already existing loyalty programs, right? Like why do you need the blockchain or NFTs for that matter to enable loyalty programs? And I think there are a couple of reasons. So firstly, NFTs really open up the ecosystem. Now, traditionally, all of these loyalty programs have been kept within a closed internal ecosystem. So if I collect a food punch, punch card from a restaurant, I can only use it to get a free meal in that restaurant or in the same chain. But now you're moving from closed to open ecosystems because now suddenly you can trade these NFTs and you can trade them for other for the loyalty programs, right? For other brands. So suddenly become, you get the opportunity to use it for a lot of different brands across the ecosystem. Then it also helps you really to personalize. Personalization is, is huge for us when we speak with brands on the loyalty programs. As we know, it's not a one size fits all solution. And these NFTs, NFT powered features really unlock a lot of new data that you can then use to, to personalize um, the programs. They also add a lot of emotional engagement. And now that because they're programmable, and I'm sure uh, Chris will also speak a lot about that after you add a lot of gamification to the whole process, which which wasn't possible previously. So I think that whole programmability and gamification is what makes Web3 loyalty super exciting. Very cool. Yeah, we agree, by the way. We love to talk about rewards and loyalty. And, and that's one of the workshops that will be at Outer Edge LA that actually... One of our employees, Ethan Slotkin, is teaching with Mohammed Ezekiel over at Animoca Brands. I, I think it's one of the best use cases. Is there anything else related to enterprises and the benefits of NIR that you wanted to touch on before we get into what Chris is doing? Sure. So this is just one use case. It's For me, it's Web3 loyalty, digital collectible experiences, NFT ticketing, all essentially use cases that, that I'm uh, really focused on. But 
I think as an enterprise, if you come to near, there are a lot of different benefits. I don't want to repeat the technical capabilities, but I think it's a big point. The easy onboarding, I think is especially important for, for Web2 users of big brands. Um, ideally, you don't want your, your consumers or fans to notice that if you're on a blockchain, they don't necessarily care about it, right? Like I might be passionate about Nier's tech. Everyone loves Nier for the tech, but we all know that, that the end user doesn't really care about it. So for them, it's all about what can you enable for them and how can you bring the brands closer together uh, with the consumers. But I think one of the best case studies, and I just want to touch on that briefly, is Sweatcoin. I'm not sure if if any of you are familiar with, with Sweatcoin already. Okay, I see that. Yeah, that's great. So I don't need to, to talk about it too much, but maybe for the audience, just quickly. Um, Sweatcoin is essentially a move to earn platform that, that has been active in Web2 since 2016. And there's really no barrier, no charge for entry. You simply download the app, user steps are counted, and you start earning and get rewarded. And those rewards you can use for, for certain perks. But in September last year, they made the leap into Web3. And they distributed, uh, I think it was roughly 13.5 million to, to tokens to 13.5 million token holders. And for many of the users, this marked their first experience with blockchain technology. And, and this was actually the largest ever on-ramp of self-custody users from, from Web2 to Web3. What we really showed by this transition is that we can, can make it happen on near without any issue because we have the scalability. And now Sweatcoin has over 120 million users created over 20 million wallets. It's one of the largest, if not the largest app in Web3 at the moment. And I think that's that's a perfect case study of the unique enterprise use cases that Nier can enable. And obviously there are a lot of lot more uh, benefits, uh, such as the active support that we can provide in the ecosystem. We've seen over the last few months that a lot of different projects have come from different blockchains because they haven't really, and they're looking for a new home because they are not seeing the, the attention that they're looking for. And we always say, you know, Nier is, is large enough to handle all these partnerships, but still small enough to actively support projects in the ecosystem with different resources. So I think as an enterprise brand, you want to have a want to have a chain, right, that can unlock a lot of different use cases for you that have a lot of enterprise solutions already in the ecosystem and that provide easy, easy onboarding. So I think those are all things that Nier can uniquely provide. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Definitely a lot of forethought clearly went into all this. It's important to know when to jump on into the next level of things, right? I mean, you sort of seem to be hitting the nail right on the head, entering with these capabilities where folks are going to be able to actually implement them. Like there's a point where you can be a little bit too far ahead of the game. Hey, we've got all these cool features, but nobody there to utilize them. But hearing that you've got these large projects you're engaging with and and having active usage of these features. This is really exciting. I want to talk a little bit about the sort of recent announcements of near partnerships with few and far to grow the near NFT ecosystem. So maybe we can go to Chris here and see if Chris, you could give us more details about this partnership. Yeah, sure. So Pumfar is a Web3 platform, which has been built on Nier protocol. We're like a flagship brand of Nier, where we're working with many NFT partners using our APIs, as well as then a NFT marketplace and launchpad for brands to come on and projects to come on to launch their, their NFTs. And we're using a lot of that amazing technology that Nier and Alex has just been talking us through. And it was really interesting to see just talking back to ETH Denver, we've seen a, a bit of a shift in a lot of the leaders in the Web3 and blockchain space. Previously, these conferences have been talked very much about solving the blockchain trilemma, which is about security, scalability, decentralization. And there seems to have been like a coming of terms that you know, it's all very good and well trying to solve that query. But if this tech is so difficult to use and hardly anyone can use it, then what are we solving this for? Especially when we keep on talking about bringing the, the mass uh, web two brands, mass market into this space to be the next open web. It has to be simple and inclusive. And what was interesting, even Vitalik from, uh, was talking about how to upgrade Ethereum to be thinking about the user experience and be changing some of the smart contract settings to be much more user-friendly. And so what we saw and recognized in Near when we met 12 months ago actually at East Denver 12 months ago was some of how Ilya and the Near team are thinking about the tech stack behind and what a blockchain should be to solve mass user onboarding to then allow us as a front-end consumer application to build a really nice user experience to allow brands to come into the Web3 space and expose NFTs and 
digital collectibles to their user base without having to jump through so many hoops that we experience today with the likes of an OpenSea and a MetaMask. And then going through that journey, we've been building up a lot of support, some excellent investors and backers. And actually, we announced that at the conference in East Denver that we've just raised $10.5 million led by Pantera Capital. So we're thrilled to have announced that. We've also released a set of APIs behind our platform and technology to allow third-party developers to develop few and far to be able to mint and distribute NFTs with only just an email address. So it becomes super simple and easy to use with just the REST API. You don't need to be a blockchain developer. You don't really need to know all the the ins and outs and complexities of which blockchain should I use? What are the pros of one versus the pros of another? We just made it all very, very easy and very programmable. And so we've been really enjoying announcing that news and seeing a lot of the traction. And to Alex's point, where we're seeing a lot of interest is now Web2 brands with huge communities that are really leaning in to look at at a Web3 strategy and haven't been able to necessarily execute due to some of the barriers and the friction points in in entering the space. And now the technology is evolving to a level where we're solving a lot of these problems. Well, lots of problems inherent there, that's for sure. One of the things that we talk about a lot in this space is just the challenges, the issues in the creator's market and curious as to your take on that. Yeah, there are a number and what we see, but what's been really, really relevant is the royalty conundrum for creators at the moment. So just to kind of put it into perspective, we saw back in September last year on some emerging chains like Solana, a new competing marketplaces to the likes of Magic Eden came out to try and win some of those trading volumes and traffic and offered a royalty-free model, which essentially means that they are not honoring the royalties set in the smart contracts of the creator. That kind of questioned a lot of the Web3 ethos because the whole promise to creators is that they have the rights to royalties, to their artwork and perpetuity, and they don't need to then hire lawyers and accountants to chase and bill. And it brought a lot of attention to the space and a lot of creators into the space. But behind all the, the mechanisms to the Web3 and the smart contract technology has unveiled a big issue, which is the business logic of the contract lives inside the marketplace and not inside of the smart contracts of the creator, which means that the marketplace gets to dictate the business terms. An analogy is like you launch a new store in Santa Monica and you hire someone to run the cash register of your store holding all your goods in who you've never met before, you have no employee contract with and don't know how to trust or who to trust. And they're in control of your cash register, you know, kind of wouldn't like that scenario in the real world, right? And what's happening now is any marketplace can come along and start trading your digital art and not paying you royalties. Then we saw that happen in a theory that was happening in Solana and fast forward what's happened with Blur. The marketplace has got a lot of traction issued a big airdrop to incentivize traders to come and trade and not honoring those royalties. And as a result, then OpenSea has followed the same strategy not to protect and honor the creators. So that's been a big problem for the industry. And if you think from a moment, you've got Polygon, who have been doing an amazing job onboarding some real Web2 companies. The problem is that they've been selling blockchain and Web3 with the opportunity to generate revenues in perpetuity, of which then we've got Nike and Starbucks and many big case studies now coming out showing traction and the model's working well. But really, the rug's been pulled underneath the rug model, given that now these assets are all trading on marketplaces, which are not then paying royalties back to these brands and they're publicly traded companies. They need to report revenues and forecasts and things. So it's really broken up the business model of the industry before we've got started and going. And that's been a solution that we at Few and Far has been solving and putting the business logic and the royalties back in the smart contracts of the companies and the creators where it really belonged to begin with. It's so interesting. There's so many kind of competing interests, right, in the space, the core ethos of like a trustless environment, a transparent environment, and then Basically, it's anytime centralization really enters the equation. You start to get like just bad actors and these unfortunate situations that arise. It's uh, kudos for moving beyond that, you know. It's been really interesting to see. So we've had a lot of inbound leads and opportunities coming in, looking at reassessing kind of the tech stack and the framework working as a result of that. Yeah, I can imagine. It's a great opportunity to leapfrog some of the other existing marketplaces and take some market share by being agile towards this really critical area of creator royalties. I mean, we all want to support creators. It's really how we got here and we can't forget that. There are some other difficulties, of course, with onboarding normies as Swan 
likes to say. And I'd love to sort of talk about how you guys are looking at those areas and what we could do better. It's something we all think about a lot. Yeah, and really thanks to Alex doing such a good explanation under the bonnet of the tech that Nia has rolled out has allowed applications and providers such as ourselves at Few and Far to leverage a lot of those features so consumers get this much easier experience. And one, kind of just to explain to you the journey of users with Few and Far, you can just log on to fewfar.com. You can create an account with just an email address. You set a password. If you don't have an existing near wallet, you can just choose to move on without setting it up, of which then our system creates a wallet for you. You get to choose a name for that wallet. So again, it becomes much more human readable. And then you get to use Apple Pay or Google Pay or credit card to top that wallet up or make any transactions for that wallet. But it's all fully non-custodial and it's all fully on-chain. And you get a special passcode that you can download your seed phrase and you can integrate it into a third-party wallet at any point. We send you notifications as your value and your account starts going up that we advise you to then go and take additional security measures. And then one key thing that Nia offers and Alex mentioned is that account flexibility. So it allows the system to change and refresh or users to change your private keys, which isn't possible so much on other blockchains, but it means that at any point in the future, you can rotate your private keys and you've got full control and full custody of it. So it makes that onboarding just an extra more feel like a Web2 system whilst being fully on-chain and fully non-custodial. That's great. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate these kind of thoughtful moments here, right? Around how you're going to use these, how you're going to dictate other people can access this, you know, little onboarding points where it's kind of stepwise and it's bite size and you don't have to call your friend and get on a Zoom call for 30 minutes to figure it out. Let's just address here the thing that it's, it's come up recently a few times when people ask me, where do I see NFTs going in some of these interviews you do for Outer Edge event, things like that. I keep bringing up this thing about program the programmability of NFTs. I mean, it's really an infinite possibility at this moment. If you think any computer p- program that you could write to do anything, think of anything that has a program affiliated with could potentially be linked to an NFT. And so I'd love, Chris, for you to talk a little bit about that and what you've been thinking about that within the ecosystem and future capabilities of programmable NFTs. Yeah, how we see it is really the first generation of NFTs has really seen that immutability and creation of scarcity to create value in this perceived value. And, and we've seen that in board apes and utes and successful collections. And for the next generation, the next wave of interest that we're seeing now of communities, of Web2 companies looking to integrate rewards and loyalty and fandom and gaming, which is a huge area, there's limitations on just having this immutable token back to a media file that you as a buyer know that that media file will never change and you own it and it's scarce, but it's kind of limited. And so we're seeing this next categorization of categorization of NFTs where the immutability isn't so vital and important and it becomes more about upgradability and dynamic elements of the NFTs based on real world behavior. And so how we're thinking about it is how when you own an NFT, that's the, the identity that you're in this community in the collection. And then what you do, whether it's on-chain transactions, whether it's off-chain transactions, whether it's playing a game and advancing through the levels, your traits of your NFT, your, your, the media file can actually evolve over time. And it's all fully on-chain and backed up. So that's just opened so many more use cases of what NFTs can do. But it kind of, as an industry, we need to start classifying and and thinking about how we communicate this to the end users so everybody knows kind of what they're getting with an NFT and what not one NFT does the same thing. And we're starting to think about that in the standardization and specification of the NFT and then how it's explained to users in the front end on the likes of a marketplace. So a simple idea is having like a padlock that if it's immutable and locks forever, that padlock's locked and the user knows that they're buying that media file and it's never changing. Where if it's open, it's signaled on the metadata of the contract that it's open and it's programmable and there's a best interest of it being open because it's going to evolve over time based on you doing certain actions and explaining to the user what they can get and what the benefits of that NFT entails. 
Well, there's a lot of benefits to it, I think. And also we've been talking about programmable NFTs, I think really since the beginning of this show, a couple hundred episodes ago, two years ago, and we're anxiously awaiting, I think, the arrival of some of the gee whiz stuff, the fun stuff that comes with that concept. Guys, we want to look ahead though at what's next for each of your projects, each of your companies. Let's pick like something big on the roadmap or something that's happened in terms of partnerships, collaborations that you want to share. Alex, let's start with you. What's next? Sure. I mean, we are working on a couple of very exciting partnerships. Unfortunately, I cannot talk too much about them because they're not announced yet, but I can certainly speak a bit about our recent announcements. I think one of them that is re- really notable that I would love to, to mention is uh, SailGP. I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with SailGP, but essentially it's an international sailing competition and NIR has partnered with SailGP. Uh, we actually have a multi-year partnership with a shared goal to bring the fans closer to the sports. And one of the things we're currently working on, uh, which is pretty exciting and really ties well into what I mentioned earlier in terms of fan engagement, uh, we're working on this fan engagement app with SailGP. So it's essentially a loyalty and fan engagement app. And we're working with SailGP together with, with Oracle. So we have an integration with Oracle's uh, CrowdTwist platform to develop this fan app uh, built on Nier. And this will essentially provide fans with an always-on experience. You don't only want to engage fans during a Grand Prix, but you also want to engage them throughout the season, right? During the, between the races. So this will ensure consistent engagement. So this is one part, but then another one, which is pretty exciting is we are actually launching the first fan-owned CLGP team using a DAO structure. So token holders will now have the ability to vote on key decisions around the team's operation. So this can include anything from, you know, the team's name, uh, flag and and boat livery to selecting sponsors and athletes and many business decisions, right? So we think this is, in my opinion, really pretty revolutionary. We will, in my opinion, also elevate fandom to a completely new level and then democratize access to sports teams. And I've had a couple of interesting conversations already with other leagues and sports teams that are looking to replicate them all or interested to learn more about this. So this is, I think, something that we're really excited about. And then the second announcement, and I mean, obviously, we just had East Denver. So we came out with a lot of different announcements. I don't think we have enough time to, to speak about all of them, but just one I wanted to highlight quickly. I know you met with Ilya, so I'm just going to touch really quickly on it because I'm sure he, he spoke about that in much more detail. But essentially, during East Denver, we announced that Nier is officially moving beyond being a layer one blockchain to become the blockchain operating system. So we use the abbreviation nearest the boss, quite easy to remember. This is industry first category. Essentially in one sentence, it's a composable front end for Web3. So it, it provides a common layer for browsing and discovering all the open web experiences and compatible with any blockchain. So for users, it allows to easily discover all of Web3's possibilities. And then for developers, it allows them to create and code interfaces in a single environment. So. In my opinion, this is the next stage that this allows for seamless one-time onboarding and removes friction points, such as making accounts for every experience. And essentially anyone in the open web ecosystem can create their own frontends and their own versions of this. So it's compatible with the blockchain of their choice. So yeah, to all the listeners, I highly recommend to check it out at alpha.near.org. It's pretty cool. And just quickly in terms of overall strategy roadmap, we have the goal and essentially we have a couple of goals that distill to a single North Star. And that is the goal of onboarding essentially 1 billion users into Web3. But by the end of the year, have the goal of 10 million monthly active accounts on the year. That is our North Star that also myself within the business development team is working towards. And we are both, in order to reach this, we are both applying a top-down and a bottom-up approach going forward. The top-down approach is essentially the our team, the BD team, focusing on major partnerships with applications and brands. And then you have the bottom-up approach, which is more the, the grassroots community-led approach. We have three major community DAOs, the developer DAO, marketing DAO, and creative DAO that will empower the community to essentially invest in its own expansion through grants. This is one approach. And then we are also working on an accelerator at the moment because we realized a lot of early stage projects need a lot more support in terms of your tech hiring, legal UX, go-to-market guidance, and so on. So we're also working on this as we speak. So this is, I think I think I mentioned everything essentially in, in terms of our goals and roadmap. You guys are up to a lot. 
For sure. For listeners, like when you hear us talk about like, this is time to build, like, there you go. That's it right there, right? Lots of building happening, lots of stuff happening in this environment in the spare market, right? So awesome. Kudos on all that. And Chris, uh, we're on the street as you got some cool stuff that's transpired as well as about to happen as well. Want to share where you're at on your roadmap? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, mention we've got Outer Edge LA coming up very, very soon. Most of our team are here in LA. So looking forward to hanging with you guys and enjoying a, a great conference and event. We'll be announcing and rolling out some more news during that too. So I don't want to give too many spoilers ahead of that, but I can say we're all, we're releasing a really interesting thing when the marketplace called uh, Quest. And that's bringing a lot of utility to NFTs and allowing projects and brands to easily tap into opening up this utility. Very simply, you come to the platform to lock your NFT after you purchased it or minted it. That is like an opt-in and you're opting in to, to do certain quests. So one example, one part of Sweatcoin that we've mentioned, all that data of how many steps you do through the Sweatcoin app, which is over 120 million downloads, is all being reported and fed in on chain. So once you opt in and have got your Sweatcoin Humanify NFT, you can stake that and you can start earning your steps that are happening on chain, actually going into the metadata of your NFT. And the more steps you do, the more rare your NFT becomes because then there's more steps. And over time, that media changes and upgrades as it's programmable, as we discussed. And then we do prizes and giveaways based on that leaderboard. So the more steps you're doing in a certain time frame, you could win prizes, airdrops and rewards. So really great way of showing how how this can come alive. And what's really good is there's no API integration needed. There's no like backend database connections because this is all happening on chain. So it's just about reading and organizing and indexing that data and, and bringing that automatically into the NFT and having it living with inside the NFT. Second to that, we've got on our API business, we're releasing an interesting feature, which is where you can mint to an email address. So that takes out the step for companies that are wanting to issue NFTs to their large and non-Web3 savvy communities, the ability for them to mint an NFT through clicking a button. And actually what's happening on the back end is the few accounts is created, it creates a wallet address for you. And then you use that email address to come and claim your account, which you'll find your NFT in. And it's taken away so many barriers and hurdles to then being able to collect a, an Ethereum email address even to begin with. Because if you ask a community that doesn't Web3 savvy, to send their Ethereum email address in, there's a huge drop-off, 95% or so drop-off straight away. So there are two big updates ahead of what we discussed, just announcing closing of our round, which has been a huge effort by the team. And, and now we can really start accelerating into hopefully better times for the overall crypto market as we come out of the winter and, and towards the spring. Amazing stuff. Again, building, 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 guys. This is what building is when we talk about that right here, right in front of you. So kudos again, fellas, for that. Well, again, all around amazing information, amazing progress. Really going to be excited about these next steps and also pumped to see you out in LA here. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued, or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. So let's transition for a minute to a segment that we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's basically a fun way for us to get to know you guys individually a little bit better. Uh, it's 10 questions and we're looking for short answers like single words or a few words here or there, but we may dive in a little bit deeper. What we're going to do is since we have both of you on here, we'll just alternate between questions. And so you guys ready to dive in on these? Let's go for it. Sounds fun. Cool. All right. Let's start, Alex, with you. We'll do question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Good question. Yes, actually, for those of you who are into football or I should say soccer, I bought and collected Panini sticker albums. So I think that that was the first sticker album that I collected for 2002 World Cup, essentially the OG of NFTs. So this is how the charity started. 
Oh yeah, Panini, huge, huge in collectibles, sports cards and everything. Yeah, amazing. Cool, Chris, number two, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? I think it was penny sweets from the ice cream van that I used to go to after school and sell them to the older kids on the school bus for a nice profit. Nice, yes, that's good. Awesome. Yeah, very entrepreneurial. I think that might be the first time that that's entered the equation here. Even ice cream truck. I don't know. I don't think we had ice cream trucks on the show. Yeah, well, I say sweets, whereas you say candy in the US, though, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, yes, yes. Question number three, Alex, what's the most recent thing you purchased? Actually, just before the podcast, I bought a ticket to Dublin because I'm attending a sports tech conference there. And then in the collectible space, a digital collectible space, it actually wasn't, I think it was an NFT on Funafar from El Café Cartel, which is an, a near NFT project centered around coffee. Right on. Very cool. Chris, question four. What's the most recent thing you sold? Recent thing I sold, I suppose we've got a baby and uh, we've got a, a load of old baby stuff, which we went and put on uh, Craigslist and, and sold a whole bunch of baby stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the never ending... Uh acquisition and disposition of baby stuff or kids stuff, right? Exactly. That just clogs up your whole like house <laughs> and storage space. <laughs> That's why you got to keep having more babies. So you just pass them on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question five, Alex, what's your most prized possession? In terms of, I'd say sentimental value, it's probably a vinyl record of one of my favorite Austrian musicians uh, that my father bought when he was my age and then gifted to me. His name is Falco, the musician. Oh, wow. That's awesome. What style of music does he play? It's a mixture between pop and rap. So he was actually one of the first rappers because he made music in the 80s. Oh, wow. I'll have to check it out. Falco. Question number six, Chris, if you could buy anything in the world, something digital, physical, a service or an experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? Good question. I think my dream is always to buy a sailing 60 foot odyssey and go and like switch off and be able to get out in the water and switch off as I spend so much time in digital. It's always nice to switch off. Yeah, man, that would be amazing. I do know a couple of folks that did that. They did the sell everything by the yacht and just head out for, I think in a couple spots, it was like a couple of years. They just did it, man. Yeah, it's nice, but it's so expensive to like maintain and all the kind of trimmings that come with it as well. <laughs> yeah, it's some harrowing stories too of like storms and all that stuff, but uh, yeah. right on. Alex, question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Oof, that's a tough one. I would say maybe persistence. I think that that's the one. Keep chopping wood. I hear you. Exactly. Keep building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, Chris, uh, question number eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? I suppose to uh, clarify my first answer, I suppose, like, Web3 never sleeps. Go, go, go. I think it's really important to be able to switch off, go touch some grass, like hug your loved ones. We kind of, this industry never sleeps. These markets always open in a way. And I think it's important that we touch some grass and we uh, remember what else we're on this planet for. I like that. Touch some grass. When you touch the grass, are you smoking it as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> All kinds of things you could do with the grass. There you go. A little easier here. Question number nine, Alex. What'd you do just before joining us on the podcast? I actually just came back from NFT Paris, so I didn't make it to East Denver. So I was just going through my hundreds of unread emails and Telegram messages, essentially. And you also, you said you bought a ticket to Dublin, right? Exactly. Lots going on. Lots. All right. Last one. Question number 10, Chris, what are you doing next after the podcast? I am speaking to my dev team and seeing what they've been building and shipping and what's next to the platform. So I'm quite excited for that, after catching up after being away for the last few days. Yeah, buddy. All right. Keep building. That's it. That's Edge Quick Hitters, guys. Appreciate you sharing. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, 
to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. We also have a very special hot topic today. Ethan, want to hit that? Oh, yeah. Special hot topic, special hot topic guest. Look forward to bringing him on here in a minute. So today's hot topic features Michael Gauthier, the founder of Crypto Jeweler. Crypto Jeweler is at the forefront of redefining limited luxury and digital jewelry through Web3 and blockchain tech. Michael is a digital jewelry designer with 10 years of experience in the industry, creating manufacturer-ready designs and photo real visualizations. Hey there, Michael. Welcome to Edge of NFT, and thanks so much for all your fun collaborations. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Man, I enjoyed this conversation. There's a lot about uh, Nier I did not know, and definitely I'm going to have to be doing some digging in here and possibly some uh, (laughs) order form filling out for some of these initiatives that I'm seeing there. You guys are killing it. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. We uh, got a background there. In your background, we got the awesome bracelet that you have so generously designed for some of our VIP special attendees. So that announcement came out a couple of weeks ago, and we've been working on that for a while. So cool. Just to launch off the question about what makes you so excited about these type of collaborations, you notice you're, you're at the ready to kind of collab and do fun stuff like this. I am. I think the most important thing right now in the space is growth and onboarding, obviously, for a lot of people. And for a brand like myself, who's trying to grow just community awareness about not only what we do, but interest in our design, interest in what we're rolling out. These collaborations from the very beginning of when I started creating jewelry for Web3 to right now is still, I feel, one of the most important tools and ways that I can do really fun and exciting things with other people, brands and events and promote the brand through that way of collaboration where it's fun for everybody and people get to take away these physical items or digital items of crypto jeweler and kind of jump into our ecosystem, if you will. And hopefully through this, people who receive these type items will want to wear them and wear them other places and be something that they can hold on to for a while. And when they think about that next thing, whether it be jewelry item, an engagement ring, a any type of jewelry, they'll hopefully, uh, we might pop into their minds and, and can keep them kind of engaged and excited about what we're building into the future. Well, they say diamonds last forever, but I don't know. NFTs might last longer. I'm not sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know that something important to you, like an important issue is the waste and cost in the jewelry industry. Can you talk just a minute about how the bringing digitization and digital ownership into the jewelry economy addresses that for you and why you're passionate about that aspect? Absolutely. One of the biggest things that affect mom and pop stores, if you will, or the average kind of jewelry businesses, inventory and overhead. On top of that, just a lot of waste through this inventory and product development can really hinder the potential for growth, especially in today's environment where kind of the big players win automatically. They're the ones that are pushing out these manufactured items and you need to spend quite a bit of money to release this collection out. And the jewelry industry as a whole has been somewhat moving towards a digital first approach. And that's with custom engagement rings, that's with digital design and things like that. And it's starting to have solutions to take out some of that waste, but there's never been a way to really do something on the digital level of what that design could be and how that design could be experienced 
before it enters the digital realm. So enter Web3, and now there's a, finally a way to own digital items, own digital designs, and we can basically bring about a new way to purchase, own, wear, experience jewelry through NFTs and make them exclusive to those who own them digitally, only they are able to purchase that physical. So a way to kind of gate the physical process, you can explore ways of interest that you can gauge from communities who are interacting with your products. And if you release a collection and let's say 2000 of them are purchased and or collected, whether it's free, whether it's whatever price point, then you can decide whether or not you want to release a full physical collection and go for certain inventoried items, or if you just made made to order things. So there's a much broader discussion as to how many different ways you can, you can really benefit from using digital design. But Web3 just kind of NFT blows it apart and, and says, now you can own this at a digital level. And that's just huge for the amount of waste that that you'd have to do in order to showcase product before that. Yeah, man. And so this intersection of digital and physical, talk to us about some like specific examples. Like how do you talked about like gated access to the physical product and whatnot? Give us some examples of how you're using or how you're thinking about leveraging it and kind of helping to drive the industry forward on the back of Web3. Yeah, so currently we're using part Shopify to integrate token gating to our digital collections. We've been creating digital collections for jewelry for about two years now and trying to onboard people into the sense that you can now collect this piece at an affordable price point digitally and then go to our shop, order it physically. What I see though in the future I think in order to onboard, we have to simplify the process. We have to make it super, super easy to collect an NFT. We have to make it so where it can come physically first with an NFT that's backing the authentication of it. So that when you get this physical piece and it's ordered in a traditional Web2 way, you can then receive that product, receive the information of how to scan the QR code, register it into our system and put an NFT into a custodial wallet that is pretty much vaulted, if you will, claimable to the actual wallet if you decide that you want the NFT, but your verification is then stored online. And I think that is a huge way to really onboard the masses. If you can approach the normal realm in a traditional Web2 sense and seamlessly integrate them into Web3. It's kind of like you mentioned Swan earlier, Josh. Uh, it's kind of like what she's saying with how Pepsi and Frito-Lay is doing on the back of their chip bags. You have a QR code and you scan it and you're entered into their rewards program. Well, that's actually blockchain going in the background and they just onboarded you and you don't know it, but it's really cool. And what you can do with that after is kind of limitless to the tech that's being built on top of this. So that's why it's exciting to hear things like Nears just building these integrations that you can then use in different ways to not only promote your product, but help grow the community and reward the community based on based on how your business is doing or how the community is helping promote it or, or what have you. There's so many different ways that you can grow a brand identity, grow the value of business by not only leveraging your community, but allowing them to benefit from the growth that you're receiving. Yeah, definitely a lot of alignment with what Alex and Chris were talking about earlier with rewarding consumer behavior and what you're doing in the space. I don't know, Alex, Chris, if you guys want to comment on that at all. Yeah, super interesting. And Michael, looking forward to seeing some of your pieces in person. I think where some easy onboarding lives today with being then custodial based is kind of important today based on the blockchain technology of, say, Ethereum of what we've got today. But we're seeing rapidly evolving technologies and improvements of that onboarding so it remains fully non-custodial fully on chain and we're not going down this dangerous route of going oh web3 is really complicated so i'm going to solve it with having a web2 solution with fully centralized and non-blockchain which isn't really progressing us as the idea of where we want to go so really exciting to see the problems are being solved on chain and we're going to have this really easy onboarding experience without sacrificing decentralization Absolutely. Yeah, it's still so early in this process. It's good that we could have moved really fast and tried to implement all of this stuff into a system that works. I think we did it right by kind of exploring the different methods as they come out and really trying to tap into the best way to set this up for a long-term approach. And there's being solutions that are left and right. People are coming up with these cool ways of attaching this authentication or collecting or interacting 
with certain things. And the future, I think, is very bright, especially for digital and physical brands that are looking to grow their awareness in, in this space, as well as output exclusive collections that can be experienced by anybody who really wants to jump into this type of stuff. So, And it's great to see Shopify, you mentioned, leaning into Web3 and building the tools into their tech stack to allow companies, sellers like yourselves, to be able to easily adapt and onboard users within Web3 as well, which is, how's your experience been working with Shopify? It's good, but it's limiting. And I think that is one of the biggest issues right now is just limitations of how much tech is actually built out. Where can we go from there? I really want people to be able to experience pieces that they get from me. I want that to be an experience where if I have a one-of-one piece that's a really high-end piece of jewelry, I, I want that to have multiple ways to interact with it, whether it be in the metaverse, whether it be ordering it for me, whether it be being able to show it off digitally or physically. I want to be able to, to play with all of those things and, and really explore what's possible because there's no there's no right answer or wrong answer right now to how you deliver a product in Web3, although there's some good and bad examples. But I think as long as people are still continuing to try and innovate and to find different ways that these can, things can be experienced, then we're going to see a lot of things come out in the near future. Things like different marketplaces, like even Amazon coming to the NFT space soon is huge. And I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work, but being able to understand at a higher level how you can take your product or your NFTs, your collections and build experiences around them when it comes time to be able to integrate with marketplaces like that. I think the people who are have been building in that realm and have a better understanding will really get ahead there and be able to capture a, a broader audience. But that's what we're hoping for. And, and we're excited about it. I mean, it's nonstop in the space, as you all said, but really exciting things come out almost weekly. And there's just so much to come. It's still so early here. Yeah, we've barely scratched the surface, right? Yeah. Absolutely love it. I think we should definitely try to meet in LA. Yeah. You'll see the Crypto Jeweler live IRL at Outer Edge LA. He has a booth and he'll be redeeming lucky folks that had an opportunity to win one of his collab GM necklaces or Outer Edge LA VIP bracelets. A little bit of a tongue twister there. And man, so excited to have you on the digital panel as well. And so people can continue to learn from some of the steps that you've taken pioneering this space. Thanks so much for, for joining us. But if people can't get over to LA, where can they go to learn more about you and what you're doing? So anybody can go to cryptojeweler.io. It's our main website. It's got more information about what we're doing. If you want to really see some of the products that we're offering and see how some of the token gating works, you can go to cryptojewelershop.com. That's listed from our website as well. But on the Shopify end, it's really cool. You can go in there, see the different collections that we have. You can see the offers that are what's being offered to purchase a piece. When you when you go to look on there, it'll, it'll say well, do you have a Chains NFT and how many do you have? And that'll determine the amount of discount that you get on physical purchases and things like that. So a lot of integrations were starting to trickle into the Shopify and to our site, but really great information. Great chat with you, man. Thanks for joining us here. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you here in a few weeks. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. Talk soon. All right. See you, Michael. Ethan, word on the street is we got some shout outs to give. Yeah, that sounds great. Explain to our listeners what we got there. Yeah, for sure. We've been doing this now for quite a while, actually. And it's turned out to be fun. It just gives the listeners some some interesting things to check out and, and a chance for our guests to show some love. So yeah, Alex and Chris have some shout outs for the show. So I guess maybe start with you, Alex. Uh, you had an interesting shout out to tell us about. Sure. So actually, I also want to give a quick shout out to my friend, uh, Matteo Rossi, who uh, actually introduced me to crypto in 2014, 2015. I think I just want to give him the credits. And, and then I would also like to give a shout out to my business development team and the broader Neo Foundation. It's really great to work with those guys. And uh, we're working on a lot of exciting partnerships. So shout out to you guys. And, and yeah, stay tuned for the announcements. Very cool. And Chris, how about you? Anybody you want to call some attention to? Sure. It's pretty hard. We've got some great creators and projects launching on, on the platform, but one has been pretty interesting. It's uh, Murder Mystery Collective, and it's uh, Proof of Solve 
which is a new concept in Imagine Playing Community, but with your Web3 community on Discord, solving clues and, and minting and trading NFTs. There's a few different collections. One is Detectives. We've got the Pups Mint coming up soon, but it's a fun way to engage with a Web3 community with this Cluedo-style solve-it puzzle. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, I love these. We always learn about something that's a little bit off the radar, but totally worth checking out. Yeah, awesome. Very nice, guys. And before we break, we got to make sure that everybody knows where to go to follow your projects as well as yourself. Alex, let's start with you, man. Where should we send people? So I would encourage everyone to visit us on our website. Uh, it's near.org and just follow the official near protocol, near foundation, Twitter handles. And if you want to, you can also follow my own one. But the important ones are our near protocol. Okay, great. Chris, how about you? Yeah, come and check out our platform at pufar.com. Sign up for a free account. Shows you how easy it is to onboard. Check out some of the projects. And my personal handle, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Hayward C. And you can check out what I'm up to there. There it is. Appreciate it, y'all. Okay, well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also, look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.